Hi everyone, I'm Liam Senyo from Inside Scientific, your favorite online source for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content helping you do your best work. This episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Mariana Kaplan, Deputy Scientific Director, Senior Investigator, and Branch Chief of the Systemic Autoimmunity Branch, the National Institute of Arthritis and Musculoskeletal and Skin Diseases of the NIH. Recently, Dr. Kaplan joined us for a webinar highlighting the role of systemic autoimmunity in the development of vasculopathy and atherosclerosis and discussing potential strategies to prevent these complications. Let's get right into it. All right, first question of the day, Dr. Kaplan, how do you think these findings can translate to other autoimmune diseases? Thank you for the question. So as I mentioned in one of my slides, we have found that other autoimmune diseases that are associated with vascular damage also have enhanced levels of these low-density granulocytes. And also many autoimmune diseases beyond lupus have been found to have dysregulation in the type 1 interferon pathway, for example, idiopathic inflammatory myopathies or Sjogren's syndrome. So we think that lupus really can teach us many lessons about mechanisms of vascular damage that may be applicable once we have a better idea about potential therapeutic interventions to some of the other immune diseases that are known, A, to have higher prevalence of vascular damage in the general population, and B, where these pathways that similar to lupus may be dysregulated. Fantastic. Yeah, great answer. All right, next question here. Are anti-angiogenic genes and their protein products upregulated in lupus? Yes, this is a great question. So we have found that, for example, VEGF is decreased in uh, lupus cells, and this appears to be triggered by type 1 interference signaling. We have also found dysregulation in some of the IL-1-related molecules that, although considered maybe a good thing for some autoimmune diseases, it appears to play some antiangiogenic roles in lupus. And there are other antiangiogenic molecules that we found appear to be triggered by type 1 inter or, yeah, downstream of type 1 interference that may play a role in impairing vascular repair. Fantastic. All right, next question here. What's the time course in the, for the changes of the neutrophil properties and cholesterol efflux relative to the diagnosis or the onset of SLE? Yeah, this is a great question. This is something we would love to know. Uh, we don't know. We have seen that many of these changes can be seen sometimes in people that don't. So there doesn't seem to be an association between disease duration and these abnormalities, suggesting that perhaps this happens early on. We do know that even patients with very recent onset of lupus already have evidence of vascular dysfunction. So I believe, although we still need to prove, that many of these changes perhaps start years before or months before diagnosis of disease. And that this is regulation genetically driven and, you know, supported by various environmental hits may promote abnormal blood vessel function from a very early stage. And perhaps this explains why even kids with lupus tend to develop vascular disease or evidence of subclinical vascular disease very early on. Fantastic. Great answer. You mentioned that there was a role for, uh, you know, changes in the metabolism, but uh, what, can you clarify what is the role of oxidative stress with the this research? Great question. This is something we're very much interested in exploring, and I didn't talk much about it, but lupus patients have definitely evidence of enhanced oxidative stress, mitochondrial dysfunction, enhanced mitochondrial reactive oxygen species formation, and of course, the dysregulation in neutrophils with the release of all these oxidative enzymes. So our hypothesis is that this prolonged oxidative stress 
plays key roles in driving vascular disease, independent or synergistically with, for example, adaptive immune dysregulation and other factors that may contribute to organ damage. And certainly targeting this oxidative stress dysregulation may be very important in autoimmunity. Fantastic. All right, next question here. So in rheumatoid arthritis patients, a factor of 1.5 has been suggested for the risk assessment and consideration of carotid plaque assessment. Is there any particular proposed factor like this for lupus? Not that I'm aware of. I mean, again, I think the work in RA has been is, is further ahead and there has been in part because rheumatoid arthritis is more prevalent, et cetera. I think this is what I re- was referring to. We really need more specific guidelines about what patients are really considered at risk. And there is a lot of variability among groups of what they think should be considered as risk in this disease. That, that, great question. Fantastic. All right. Great question here. So uh, great talk. Do you think chronic stress could be playing a role here since type 1 INF and HPA axis are known to impact each other? Yes. I mean, we don't have a proof about that, but certainly for what is known about the the role of stress, both acute and chronic stress in the immune system, it is certainly possible that this is an added factor that shouldn't be at all dismissed and should very much be considered. And we we often see lupus patients having a flare, for example, after they have been exposed to prolonged uh, stress or even acute stress, psychologic stress of, of any kind. So certainly, and, it, and there is a good link with stress and cardiovascular disease. So I think certainly this is something that should very much be considered as part of the diagnosis and, and treatment strategies in patients with lupus. Great answer. All right, next question here. Are there specific, can you clarify if there's specific lipoproteins that are targeted in lupus? So it's a pretty dramatic change in many lipoproteins. When we have done correlation analysis with which of the lipoproteins are associated with enhanced subclinical vascular disease, we haven't found a correlation with levels of LDL, but we have found very significant correlations between either low HDL levels and particularly low HDL function and higher coronary plaque formation. So in lupus, I believe, based on the work we have done, that HDL dysregulation may be more important than LDL dysregulation. Not that it's not important, but it appears to be a, play a more prominent role. So this is different from what, as I mentioned, has been described for garden variety atherosclerosis with high sensitivity CRP plus high LDL being associated with higher risk. Lupus appears to be some sort of different beast where HDL dysregulation may be something quite relevant. Great answer. Nice question here. Do you see the potential of assessing and using blood markers to assess cardiovascular disease risk in patients? Yeah, that's very great question. This is very much what we would like. And that's it's interesting that when we have looked at a variety of biomarkers and whether they associate with vascular damage in lupus, many of the ones that have been described for other patient populations do not seem to correlate in lupus. And, and similar Framingham risk factors, not that they don't play an important role, but they really cannot explain everything. So this is one of our goals, to come up with some sort of combination of biomarkers, and some other groups are trying to do the same, that tell us that a patient is a particular enhanced risk. And the the levels of low-density granulocytes, for example, as I mentioned, appear to be associated, but we may need to find a combination of other markers that will give us a better readout on who is at particular risk. Great answer. What do you think is the next step in investigating the role of statins in SLE? Yeah, so ideally we would need, you know, large, well-developed trials, um, probably multi-center trials, 
to us to answer whether statins work. Uh, the problem is, you know, uh, these are young patients, and although they tend to have accelerated vascular damage, to have cardiovascular event as the readout to see whether statins work or not is very difficult because this is not a very common disease. You would need to follow these patients for a long period of time before seeing an event, and that's why. Our group and others have been trying to come up with surrogate markers associated to enhance cardiovascular event risk. And so perhaps the trials would have to be developed that rather than looking at cardiovascular events, which is, would be very, very difficult to do, we would look at, you know, regression of plaque formation or uh, decreased risk to develop plaque or improvements in vascular function, which is the approach we have followed because vascular function can change very quickly. And so we can see if after a few months of therapy, something looks better. Progression of plaque takes longer, but it's doable. So those are some of the approaches we may need to follow to see if statins, uh, I, I would say statins probably play an important role, but they're not, they, they don't appear to be sufficient on their own. And there may need to be a combined strategy and who, which patients will benefit from statins in lupus remains very unclear. Great answer. Interesting question here. So since lupus is a spectrum, and it is my understanding that discoid lupus is at the one extreme where it's primarily a disease of the skin, and SLE is more severe due to the systemic effect in many organs, uh, like the kidneys, is if the increased capillary transit time of these abnormal neutrophils, are they somehow more specific to skin in discoid and other capillaries in uh, for SLE in the kidneys, for example? That's a very nice question. Thank you. We don't know. I mean, so far, all we have seen is that these cells tend to have a slower transit in a vasculature mimetic, but we haven't had the opportunity to explore whether these cells transit differently in different organs, which would be a terrific thing to do, kind of difficult, but it is a great question. But how do different capillaries or different vessels respond to the interaction with these cells? All right, great. Interesting question here. So does medication that is focused on B-cell production antibodies, do they also decrease cardiovascular disease in patients with lupus? Yeah, so far the evidence I have seen hasn't really shown that. It doesn't mean it's not the case. I think we need better studies that are aimed specifically at answering that question. There is a lot of literature on the cardiovascular field that there are subsets of B-cells that may play important roles in atherosclerosis. I just haven't seen the evidence when thinking about B-cell depletion strategies in lupus that suggests that would be the case, but that doesn't mean it's not a strategy that could help. Great answer. All right, so can you just clarify what accounts for the preferences for uh, you know the, the differences in race and in uh, sex? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, interest about it. So the, the difference in, in sex that why lupus is so much more common in women than in men, there's been a lot of speculation about it. And it's probably a combination of the effects of the X chromosome on immunity, as well as hormonal effects. Why lupus aff afflicts more minorities? Certainly considered that genetic factors are probably important. There are also socioeconomic disparities in access to care that could potentiate the severity of the disease in some of these groups, but it's it's a complex process that is not fully understood. Fantastic, great answer. So there's a question here about this, any associations or I guess synergies between COVID-19 and lupus patients. So they said neutralizing anti auto antibodies to IFN 
type 1 interferons have been found in some patients with severe COVID. Have any such antibodies to type 1 interferons been found in SLE? And if so, are, are these in a specific subset of these patients? Yeah, What's great the, question. Do you know if there's any core kind of correlation there? The answer is yes. Anti-type 1 interferon antibodies exist in a proportion of lupus patients, relatively small, but not, you know, it's still something to consider. And they have actually been associated perhaps with lower disease activity. However, this is something we're following very closely to understand those patients that have these pre-existing antibodies to interferon, if they are exposed to COVID, how will they respond? And this is work ongoing, and actually our group is involved in such a study, but it's too early to tell whether having these antibodies will change the prognosis or, or the clinical response in these lupus patients when exposed to the infection. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.